0: So this is a very important therapy. I think it's something that um, we aren't going to spend too much time in this podcast going into the details of, but I wanted to introduce it and to let you know about it because it's something that has helped me. It's something that you can do with yourself. There are plenty of workbooks out there that you can use to perform CBT on yourself, and I can certainly uh, recommend One book in particular, and that is the book Mind Over Mood, which I think is a tremendous book. Um, I've used it. I've recommended it. I think it's very well written. And I will have the title and link on how to purchase that book in the description. Again, this is not an advertisement. I do not make any money or any commission off the selling of this book. So put simply, and just sort of to summarize very briefly what CBT really is, so we say it's cognitive behavioral therapy. And what that means is in in a sort of a theoretical sense is that how we think and the way we think and our behavior ultimately determines how we feel. So to briefly summarize what cognitive behavioral therapy really is and the theory behind it, it's important that you understand that with cognitive behavioral therapy, the way we think, so how what our thoughts are and and, and, and how we think about the world, and our behaviors and our emotions, those three, the, the, the thoughts, the behaviors, and the emotions are all interrelated. It's very difficult for us to control how we feel. In other words, when you feel anxious, anxious or you feel angry or you feel sad Telling yourself not to feel angry, anxious, or sad is probably one of the least effective ways to not feel anxious, depressed, and sad. So because we can't control our emotions, and because we believe that our emotions are really the product or the result of how we behave and how we think, the idea is that if we can change the way we think, perhaps it'll change our behavior, which then will influence and change how we feel. And that's really the foundation of CBT. So CBT is based on three core principles. So one, uh, psychological problems are based in part on faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking. Two, psychological problems are based at least in part on learned patterns of unhelpful behavior. And three, people suffering from psychological problems can learn better ways of coping with them um, and therefore uh, relieve their symptoms and become more effective um, in their lives. So the primary goal of CBT is really to change how we feel, right? It's to relieve uh, mental suffering and, and emotional suffering. But in order to accomplish that goal, the first hurdle, and probably the biggest hurdle, is to change our thinking patterns. And that's really what CBT is all about. And in order to accomplish changing our thinking patterns, which are very ingrained, so in order to change our thinking patterns, we first have to be able to to recognize that we're thinking about something in a way that's not effective or that's hurting us emotionally. So, the first step really is to recognize the distortions in our thinking um, that are creating these problems, um, and then to really reevaluate them in an objective way. So whenever I'm doing CBT um, with a patient, the very first step is just recognition. And I don't like to give homework because I hate homework, but there are some tasks and things that I have patients do when they're not in the office because you have to remember that you're only with a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist for a very short period of time, and a lot of the work has to be done outside the office. And it's a very simple homework assignment. It's to just recognize... You're thinking. And what I mean by that is, when you start to feel like you're having a negative thought, or you're, you're feeling a certain way, is just to recognize it. It's just to say literally out loud, when you're feeling depressed, wow, I feel depressed, to just recognize. Recognize your thoughts. For example, oh wow, I feel depressed. Huh. And then stop. Recognize what you're feeling. Feel it. Accept it. And then be curious about it. Ask yourself, huh, I wonder why I'm feeling this way. And sort of become an investigator, be like a detective in trying to understand why you might be feeling the way you do. Stopping and saying, hmm, I wonder what I was doing before I had this thought or this feeling. I wonder what the trigger was, or I wonder why this came up. And just sort of think about it. You don't have to do anything other than just recognizing and being, huh, Interesting. And you start recognizing these negative thoughts you're having, maybe even write them down. You don't have to, but I certainly recommend writing things down. I think it helps. But over time, you'll start to see patterns. And I think that's one of the keys to understanding where your thinking patterns are going wrong or where these these thoughts are coming from. So once we can better identify what what we call these distortions or cognitive distortions, once we can identify them, then we can start attacking them and better understanding them so that we can overcome them. It's impossible to fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. So the first step is recognition. The second step is really to gain a better understanding of the behavior and the motivations uh, behind those thoughts. We also want to make sure that we're using problem-solving skills to deal with difficult situations, that we're not just using our emotional brain. And what I mean by that is I did discuss before about the amygdala and about how people who are anxious are very, or or who have gone through trauma are very sensitive to stimuli that might be threatening. And our initial reaction might be to fight or flight. And it's really our frontal lobe and our cortex within our brain, that's responsible for the reasoning that, that's supposed to happen that inhibits our impulsive type sort of emotional response. That's sort of a simple way of putting it. We're using our cognition, we're using our reasoning to sort of, to sort of objectively look at why do we think this way? So we want to make sure that we're identifying, one, identifying what those thoughts are and what's leading to those thoughts. That's the first thing. The second thing would be to sort of analyze and, and look deeper into the patterns of those thoughts. And then after you've recognized it and sort of dissected it, then it's using you know problem-solving skills to cope with those negative thoughts and the results of those negative thoughts. And then developing a greater sense of why we're thinking about things in a certain way. So that way we can then change the way we think about it, sort of put it out there, if you will, and investigate and study objectively this thought. So let me give you an example of a very simple exercise that you can do on your own um, anytime you have a sort of negative or anxious thought. Now, mind you, CBT is not just for anxiety. It can be for a number of disorders, a number of uh, psychological problems, but I'm just going to give you the example of a very common cognitive distortion in people who are depressed and anxious, and that is, I'm a failure, okay? So that's sort of the cognitive distortion. It's maybe you didn't do well on a test, maybe you, um, or even maybe you did achieve the goal and you just didn't think it was good enough. And so you think this to yourself, God, I'm a failure. I'm just a failure. I'll never be good at this. I'm a complete and utter failure. So what you do is you say, okay, I've now recognized that this thought, I'm a failure, is not a good thought. And I'm going to take this thought and I'm going to put it on the table here. And now I'm going to analyze and criticize this thought. I'm a failure. So let's do the debate. What are some of the things that are proving to me that I'm maybe not a failure? So you're kind of doing this debate in your head. And you start listing them. So you can even write these down. And this is what we call a thought record. Um, and this is something you learn uh, in CBT, so you say, okay, well, so what are some of the things that support that claim, and what are some things that don't support it, or actually refute it? Am I a failure? Well, I feel like I, you know, I didn't do well on the test. This seems to be a problem that I keep not doing well on these things. Um, I also didn't uh, finish my homework the other day. And so those are all the reasons why I'm a failure. Why am I not a failure? Well, you know, I did uh, work really hard on this, and there were some other projects that I did that were pretty good, and I got really high scores on, and people complimented me on those. Um, What other things sort of refute this idea that you're just a complete failure? Well, I'm still in school, and I'm trying, and I'm not failing the class. Okay. Let me find a different way to say or think about myself when it comes to this particular thought. So instead of saying I'm a complete failure, I'm going to say now, I didn't do well on this presentation today. I wish I would have had done better. I probably could have prepared more. But this is a one-time occurrence, and there are many more opportunities for me to demonstrate that I'm not a failure. That's what it is, and hopefully in the future I can learn from this and do better. And if over time you're doing this over and over and over again, every time you're having these kind of negative thoughts, every time you've identified or recognized that you're having these thoughts, if you can change the way you're sort of thinking about it, you can ultimately change how you feel. And that's really the powerful part of CBT and the whole point of CBT. So CBT has the word behavioral in it, right? So it's cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's not just thoughts, but there's also behaviors. And so you can do this type of an exercise with your behaviors. So for example, let's say you're doing something and you're like... This is not productive, whatever it may be. So, for example, maybe it's a compulsion that you have. Maybe you are somebody who washes your hands excessively, or maybe you, uh, you know, count in your head. And what you can do as an exercise is that instead of the thought being sort of what you're analyzing and critiquing and debating about, it's the behavior. So instead of instead of saying, for example, I'm a failure, let's say, oh wow, I'm washing my hands a lot. Let me stop and think about this behavior. Our behaviors are a result of our thoughts. And if we can identify one, or recognize that compulsive act, then we can ask ourselves, I wonder why am I doing this? Why am I having why am I compulsively doing this? Then you say, Well, I'm compulsively doing this because if I don't do this, then so then you take that thought, that sentence, that claim, that if I don't do this, then this, and you put it out there, then you start critique, critiquing it, picking it apart. Here, here's, uh, here's the defense of why this is true, and here's the counter-argument that proves that maybe it's not so true. And over time, you will find it's going to change your behavior, and it's ultimately going to change how you feel. And so that's the fundamentals of CBT. Now, the book that I think is very helpful is the book called... Mind Over Mood. It's a CBT workbook. And I think it's a very helpful book that goes through everything that I'm talking about in much more detail and much better, I would say. Um, There's a lot of exercises that you can do. They lay it out for you. They explain the theory behind CBT. So the last thing that's important to know There are plenty of studies, and specifically the one that I can think of is is, is one where individuals with OCD went through CBT, and they took images of individuals with OCD before CBT and then after CBT, and they did the same thing for individuals with OCD before medication and after medication, and then they compared the two. And what was interesting is that in the people who underwent the therapy, had the same or similar brain changes as those who underwent medication therapy. I think that's important to know because what this tells us is that doing these exercises and doing these types of therapies change your brain in a way similar to many of our medications. And in fact, there are plenty of therapies that have shown to be more effective than medications and that is incredible and that also shows you the power of the brain that you can do things in your life to change how your brain is working to literally make new connections and break if you will old connections to sort of rewire the way your brain is functioning and i think that's very powerful and empowering and something that i always advocate for whenever i'm seeing a patient in my office because I know the importance of therapy. It's an incredibly important part of any psychiatric or psychological treatment plan and something that should always be considered. Okay, thanks for listening in. Just a reminder that we will be doing a question and answer session on OCD and ADHD, answering 35 of the most common questions that we've received from all of you. So please be on the lookout for that podcast, which should be posted in the next few days. I wish everybody well. Stay positive, stay informed, and know that you are never, ever alone.